0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Growing Lean Podcast, sponsored by Lean Discovery Group, an award-winning software development firm based out of Virginia. This is your host, Dylan Burke, also known as Deej. I'm happy to be here today with Paul Rubens, founder and CEO of Tamarack Investment Partners. Welcome, Paul.
1: Thanks very much, Dylan. Pleasure to be here to talk to you
0: today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your time. So, can you get us started and tell us a little bit about your history, your background, and how you got into the business you're in today?
1: Sure thing. You know, I'm native of the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I guess my grandparents uh, are from here, my parents, my grandparents. And I grew up, you know, on the peninsula. I went to school locally at Santa Clara. thought I was going to go to law school. Like my father was a, a partner at a big Bay Area law firm and... Um, my brother had entered law school, and as it turned out, there uh, there came an opportunity to go to Asia, and uh, you know, at a pretty young age, uh, age twenty four, um, actually went out there originally to help my dad's law firm uh, expand into Asia, and I was supposed to be that person on the ground, um, you know, arranging meetings, doing some different business initiatives for the firm, uh, but then also to have my own. You know, presence. I wasn't. I went out there with not a lot of preparation. In retrospect, uh, you know, uh, having to arrange visas after arriving, things like that, um, needing sponsorship. Uh, but those early experiences were um, were certainly very valuable. Uh, it was only after I left Hong Kong that I got into the investment management business, and when I moved to Taiwan, on a friend's suggestion. This was just after Taiwan had lifted martial law back in the late eighties. Um, to move up there and to learn, you know, Mandarin. And when the, when the economy opens up, you'd be in demand. And so I started going back and forth between Hong Kong and Taiwan, and then was hired by one of the four investment trust companies, uh, regulated uh, regulated industry at that time. But it was a joint venture at that time with China Development Corporation, uh, the local uh, development bank. Um, and then Merrill Lynch was in there, Fidelity, uh, Bangkok bank and Yamaichi. So this is a time very early days when Maryland Fidelity would have had joint ventures in that market. That's how I got into the business. It was really to come in as a special assistant to the president, uh, using my English, you know, undergrad, my pre-law undergrad, uh, work and being able to communicate with investors overseas. We had the Taiwan fund Inc that we, that we managed in that, out of that office. Um, and so overseas investors wanted some market commentary, but it was a great intro into the business. Um, you know, I was secretary to the board of directors, um, had to write up all the notes. And, and uh, I wrote speeches for the president. His, his, he was a well-known figure in, in Taiwan. Uh, his father was the ambassador to Singapore. And, you know, he, was, he, he gave speeches on the development of the capital markets. And so... I, I, it was interesting how I was able to gain exposure to all those areas, being sort of the only foreigner, uh, you know, in the company of about 30 people, only American uh, in there. And I was able to get, you know, those experiences. Um, but then, you know, I had the option of being um, you know, put on a portfolio and being more of an analyst or portfolio manager or continuing on the business side. And I kind of um, decided that that was more uh, my calling, so I stayed more on the business development side, and uh, that's what led me to to you know continue in that area for for the rest of my career, kind of on the uh, on the sell side of investment management, I guess you'd say.
0: Okay, amazing. I love I love the history there, and could you maybe walk us through your overall business strategy?
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean we are looking to connect. Uh, you know, institutional investors in North America primarily, but recently we've been reaching into other areas of the world, the Middle East, South America, you know, in Europe, you know, where, where we're able to uh, on a regulatory side. Um, but to really build relationships, get to know their needs, and then connect them with Asia-based investment managers that are mostly in uh, liquid markets, uh, liquid alternatives, Uh, you know, that might be long only absolute return, but more often they're hedge funds employing a, a wide range of strategies. And we work with both single strategy managers and then also multi-manager uh, solutions that, that uh, you know, put together those solutions for people looking for that exposure in Asia, somebody on the ground. And, and we, knowing those managers for 20 years plus, we, you know, have selected, you know, what we think is the best way to to provide that capability. Um, And, you know, it's um, our strategy is really to, you know, be a source of information on Asia and help facilitate due diligence on the managers at an independent arms like basis. And then to be a source of ideas and um, really to meet that need for uh, that exposure, you know, in a quality kind of way.
0: Okay, amazing. Um, And have you learned any foreign languages in your time? Yeah. Doing this?
1: <laughs> so I lived in Taiwan for four years. I lived there twice for two years each. And the second time I went back as a CEO of Far Eastern Alliance Asset Management, I did have formal lessons. The first time I went, it was more listening to the sounds. of. But then I lived in, um, in Japan for eight years and, uh, you know, and so started studying by by a kumon i don't know if you've ever heard of kumon they it's mm. a um firm bowl well, if you're um you could do math lessons you can do they it's like a kids learning um company uh, education they do mostly math and other languages but they also if you were living in japan uh, they would give you a, a sort of correspondence course and that's how i, I learned japanese you know hiragana katakana some kanji it comes in handy, it, it, you know. I speak Thai, I speak Mandarin with a Taiwanese accent, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> People have told me that, uh, but <laughs> I don't. That's speak amazing. Vietnamese, even though I went to <laughs> Vietnam a lot, didn't really learn much Vietnamese.
0: Um, no, that's amazing. I, I love to hear it. And are, how have you adapted to changes in your industry and changes globally in the economy and everything that's been going on? For the past like ten years,
1: yeah, the past ten years, of, you know, especially with the pandemic. But uh, aside from that, you know, changes in our industry, uh, the sort of endowment model has has spread, um, you know, starting from Harvard and some of the largest endowments. That idea of using specialists and using the best in class, um, we try to provide that. You know, in the liquid alternatives area, in the hedge fund space, it's become pretty competitive. I would say that. You know, over the recent, say, five years, uh, you know, the tensions with China have been something that we've had to address. Uh, We've had to have people look at Asia as not just China, but other parts of Asia as well. You know, Japan, India, ASEAN, places like, you know, Vietnam, the greater Mekong subregion, you know, some of these areas, of course, Korea, but um, and Taiwan. But, um, you know, so to had to address a number of trends that we see take place. Um, but um, for the most part, you know, the industry has continued to, to grow. You know, people are looking for that diversification. They want di- differentiated strategies that that are non-correlated. And so for a lot of investors, they're so underweight Asia, they, you know, might invest in Japan passively, but they don't have a lot of interesting strategies there. Um, and then, For the rest of Asia, it's usually not going as deep and as local as you might think that they should be.
0: Okay, 100%. And have you made use of any specific tactics or tools that have been effective to you in growing your business?
1: You know, tactics or tools, I mean, we always want to sort of help facilitate due diligence, anything that we can do to sort of show that we are helping educate, helping to, um, you know, give them, give investors what they need to do work on our managers and, and, um, and our managers are very good about doing that. I don't have to do much, but we, we, we you know, we do what we need to do. Um, and so really trying to be of service and, uh, you know, after we have the people as clients to also be a, a sounding board, but also of um, new ideas, but uh, to be a source of, you know, another go-to person uh, as needed.
0: Okay, amazing. And yeah. how do you measure how do you measure the success of the work that you do? Um, firstly, within your business itself, and within your clients' businesses, how how do you measure sure. the success? What KPIs do you use?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really a pretty. In some ways, it's it's fairly simple in terms of um, assets under management. You know, my my business model is is predicated on making introductions and then. Um, if that investor ends up coming into a strategy i'd be the manager would be give, sharing their marketing credit or percentage of their mar, of their overall management fee revenue not the performance fee that stays with the investment team but the marketing credit is sort of assigned to us and so that's a clear metric that's the clearest metric for us We're, we you know whether that's through performance or new clients or clients adding that's how we measure success uh, to some extent uh, the other parts of it are know to bring to have quality relationships to have the kind of um client relationship that managers would like and they you know in terms of um, expectations and what the what the investor is looking for from a manager something that the manager can deliver and then kind of good mutual understanding we use the term like-minded um you know a lot and um and so it's not just any client to bring in, but you know clients that invest, the management teams enjoy those relationships. And then to have clients also that get some kind of research benefit out of it. It's not just about performance. you know the, in the overall relationship, we like to have other benefits as part of that relationship, sharing of research, manager research, other you know sounding board type of questions over time. Um, and so that's that's pretty rewarding. When
0: that happens. Okay. Yeah, 100%. And are there any specific metrics that you are looking to improve currently? Well, so we,
1: uh, <laughs> we do look at, we, we, we always report performance and we um, uh, think about, um, you know, are your audience there and uh, how engaged are, are, is our audience in terms of reading monthly reports or uh, other research that we put out. And we've been really pleased with, um, you know, how engaged our audience has become uh, for some of our key managers, some of our flagship managers that we work with. Um, I guess I always feel like you could do more, you know, if you're, if you're sending a message out to, um, you know, say 50 people, you feel like, why couldn't that be 150 people? Or, you know, why couldn't that be, why, why couldn't you just have more of those Similar type of relationships uh, across the country or in North America or even other parts of the world, and so there's always that challenge of um, not being complacent, not thinking that you're finished in terms of continuing to cultivate new relationships, meet new people, um, you know, add them to. You never know what their needs would be. Sometimes you you end up meeting somebody and there happens to be a very good fit, but it was it wasn't your intention
0: yeah yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and if i if we were to sit down again in 12 months time and yeah. everything that could have gone right has gone right in your business what mm. would it what would your business look like
1: it would probably be a significant growth we'd end up with a few new mandates and those would be you know asia oriented for the most part but most likely you know we are looking to take on you know one or two us based managers we're, we're currently talking to prime brokers and and other capital intro people to get to meet meet managers that we might take on. so I mean in the ideal world we we could sort of come through for the uh, for the managers we work with um, and then maybe add one to two others and have a little bit of success with them you know over a 12 month period that would be tremendous
0: yeah 100 (laughs) percent um i also wanted to ask you um you're obviously aware over the last couple of years there's been this huge surge in general ai um yes have you have you been taking advantage of the tools available to you um in terms Mm -hmm. of this in terms of speeding up your process um yeah i want to know are you taking advantage of of these tools
1: yeah so i've Had, you know, through some of the email tools that we use, you know, I get offers to use AI generated, AI uh, generated email. Um, But I guess as a a sort of English major, um, you know, and having worked in this industry for so long, having written so many emails, having, um, I really feel like every word is very nuanced in what I do. And um, I haven't tried it yet. I haven't actually seen an additional output and then tried to make edits and make it sound good. Maybe it would be better than what I could do originally. But so far I haven't used that. In terms of other AI applications, um, I wouldn't say that that I have. You know, I've been following it closely, but um,
0: have not. Okay, amazing. Well, look, there's there's a number of tools that I can uh, suggest you can look into. We can chat offline hmm. about that though. Oh, really? um, Yeah. It's, it's crazy what you can do these days. Uh, and last or second, last question for you, um, have there been any specific partnerships or collaborations, uh, not only within your current business, but throughout your business career that have helped Mm. you get to where you are today?
1: Mm -hmm. We, um, so we, we founded our broker dealer in, in 2018. And uh, that's Yukiko. And, um, you know, for us to collaborate in, in our main business of capital raising for managers and things like that, there's two ways that you could do that. We could either help another registered broker dealer with managers that they represent and try to help raise money for them and do some fee sharing. Or our existing managers could be marketed in a new geography, for example, like in Europe. Um, and we've explored those. Um, we haven't been able to really get a lot of traction through those collaborations. I think it's I think it's largely a function of just not enough fees to go around is my guess. Um, in terms of if you do marketing for my manager in Europe, and you raise some money, um, the economics there are going to be less than if you had raised money for one of the managers that you source directly, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so haven't done a lot of those collaborations, but certainly, um, on an individual product, like at an investor collaboration, we've launched, um, a couple of new funds with a wealth manager with a Canada based wealth manager. That was a really important collaboration for us, um, in terms of, you know, getting their investors in and also creating a commingled vehicle where other investors could come in, um, into that same vehicle. And those have been flagship strategies for that manager. So that was, that was very meaningful collaboration and, um, and other, other sort of important investors have been, been, um, you know, very sort of critical or key for the, for the growth of the overall business.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, uh, Paul, so we are coming to the end of the, the show now, but before we go, what advice would you like to give to other business owners looking to succeed in your industry?
1: I think, yeah, I think this idea, you know, um, first of all, Dylan, thanks very much for, for organizing this talk today. And I think, you know, the title of your podcast of lean, lean growth, you know, that sort of lean, um. Uh, focus is, is key. And I've always believed that we, um, uh, when we started Black Horse Asset Management in Singapore, uh, we kept things lean. We, we did a lot of multitasking. Um, we had our analysts doing multitasking, um, And I think when I started Tamarack, I was also lean, you know, I I wanted to be that guy in the winter in the garage with a, with a sweater on and just grinding out emails and, and just keeping budget travel budgets low and, um, uh, keeping our overall expenses low, but, but continuing to move forward. So I think that, um, you know, staying lean, and, and lean, you know, sane, lean gives you a longer runway as well. And that was key for us, right? Because our business is not one where you can twist people's arms or, you know, you could try to make your points, but they have their priorities. And so the timeline is going to be as long as the client needs it to be. Um, you have to be patient, and give yourself enough runway. So I think sane, lean is, is, is key. Now. Uh, and okay. if you're an investor manager I've also seen if you're a startup investment manager and we've seen a lot of startups over the years uh, startup hedge fund they've also taken a lean approach where they they don't live uh, they take you know, the office space very inexpensive and they they're able to give themselves the time to build a track record while they while they're starting up that that has helped them so those would I think that's an important theme
0: amazing thank you and I love the relation to to our show that's awesome <laughs> appreciate yeah. it and uh paul thanks again for being on the show um it's been great Quite getting long. to understand your business a bit more and yourself so uh, what is the best way for people to get in touch with paul rubens if you have any offers for them to take advantage of or if they're just looking oh, to follow your journey
1: sure. yeah so i have um i'm on linkedin paul rubens uh, the same as the painter uh not the uh recently uh cease comedian unfortunate uh, rest in peace Paul but um it's uh and then also Tamarack invest is my website and I have a blog uh, that we that talks a little bit about our managers and uh, some other trends uh tamarackinvest.com um, but probably LinkedIn would be yeah, you know, or Paul at tamarackinvest.com is my email so
0: okay amazing well thank you again Paul
1: <laughs> thank you Dylan I look forward to talking to you again soon